Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we just love you and we praise you because you are the giver of all good things. Lord, we uh, just want to lift up your word this morning and the importance of your truth. Lord, that's all we want to hear this morning. We don't want to hear opinions. We don't want to hear man's ideas. We want to hear the truth of your word this morning as it speaks to this message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Many of you, if you've been around children very long, you've seen something like this. Uh, sometimes called a stage five meltdown. You could just tell that this little girl is not having it anymore. Doesn't matter what she's, uh, what's happened to her. She could either be tired and cranky, or maybe she's hungry, or uh, maybe she just wanted a toy and she just didn't get her way. Let me ask you this. As parents, do we have to teach children how to act like this? So we don't have to teach them how to throw temper tantrums and to be selfish and to blow up uh, in rage and anger. They just seem to naturally do that. See, there's no parenting class that teaches your kid to take their dinner and whip it on the floor. Somehow they just come equipped with this life skill. So we can agree this morning, I hope, that this is something we're just kind of born with. We're simply born this way. We're ready to sin in word and action the very first chance we get as human beings. It's just part of, of a sinful world and sinful desires. But the question is this morning, where do these sinful desires come from? Some say, you know, God is the creator and he's the sustainer of all things. So obviously they must come from God. The phrase, I was born this way, is a very popular phrase to describe uh, somebody's personality or why they are the way they are. This is the reason why I'm this way is because I was born this way. Especially those in the homosexual and transgender communities will describe themselves as simply just being born that way. They have a slant towards that specific sin. I believe there's some truth to that this morning. And uh, hear me out as I explain why. You see, we're all born with a slant towards sin. Amen? Amen. But each and every individual, each and every one of us, are born with a desire or a slant towards a certain kind of sin. It's different for many of us. Some have a, a slant towards alcohol, some towards the abuse of drugs, some anger. Some people just explode and, and, and anger is their, is their Achilles heel. Others, sexual sin. And sexual sin being described as any act, any sexual act outside of the confines of marriage between a man and a woman. Any sexual act. Greed, 
Some of us can't help ourselves. We just want more. We're not satisfied with what we have. Pride. Some of us are just too proud. No one can tell us anything. We struggle in our relationships because of our pride. So it's easy to see that we're born sinners. We're born with a slant towards some kind of sin. So the real issue is where do we assign the blame for these desires? I mean, does God make people sinful and then tempt them to sin? That's what some non-believers would throw in your face. Well, this God that created you, and he created you flawed. So why does he now hold you accountable for those sins? I think it's a valid question. As we're going to see this morning, these sinful desires that we have are contrary to God. They're contrary to the very nature of who we know God to be. God is loving. He's merciful. He's just. He's without flaw. And as Mike uh, described this morning, he is holy and righteous. That means his holiness can describe all of his attributes. His love is holy. That means it's pure. His anger is holy. That means it's, it's pure. His wrath is holy. God is holy. There is no evil in him at all one iota. Therefore, these desires could not possibly come from him. It's virtually impossible. It's literally impossible. But you see, unfortunately, we are born into this sinful world. You and I, all of us. And it's almost like we don't really have much of a choice. We're born with these sinful desires, and we choose either to follow those or to follow God. And before we become believers, we don't really care what God thinks, to be honest. We will sin against each other. We will sin against God. We are all in the same boat. Sounds very encouraging this morning, right? But that is the point, church, because that is exactly why Jesus came to earth to live the perfect life, to die a criminal's death on the cross, and defeat sin and death. So that when we put our faith in who Jesus is and the work he has done, he can then save us from our sin. But before we can be saved... We need to understand this one basic principle, and it's the title of today's sermon. Because we are simply born sinners. We have to get that through our minds. There's some um, psychologists and psychiatrists that have done some uh, studies over the, the years. They're, they think that, some of them think that we are born intrinsically good that we want good, and that somehow we pick up these bad behaviors along the way. I say that's ridiculous. There's no way that that you can say that a child is born good and without sin. Because the very minute they can speak, or the very minute their feet can take them to where they're not supposed to be, they are on their way quickly. And they say the fastest moving mammal on the planet is a, a toddler that has something they shouldn't. So while God does create us and he is sovereign over this whole world, 
He does not tempt us to sin. He allows us to go through trials, as uh, Pastor Matt uh, preached last week, but trials and being tempted, are it's slightly different. If you think of it, God allows us to go through trials, but he, he sometimes puts us through trials. God does not tempt us with sin. It's a natural consequence of living in a sinful world. So let's get into our verses today to see uh, what he has to say about this subject. We'll be in James 1, 13 through 18. Uh, follow along on the screens as I read along. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. If we were to take these six verses and we were boiling them down into one main idea, we would get this. Jesus came on a rescue mission to save us because we were born sinners. It's really that simple. Jesus had to come and rescue us from our own condition because we were born into a sin-filled world filled with sin. Let's break these verses down to see why this main idea is true. Starting with the first three verses, verses 13, 14, and 15. So where do sinful desires come from? Well, let no one say when he's tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. He himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. So the first thing that we have to establish here this morning is that we live in a sin-cursed world under the control of Satan. Okay, so God is creator. He is sovereign all, over all things, but the God of this world is Satan. Satan knows he's been beaten. He knows that he's already... So the, the best thing that he could do is destroy as many human beings as possible. He hates us. He hates us because God loves us. He hates us because we are formed in the image of God. To me, that's the only way that Satan could get back at God is, is to hurt as many of us as he possibly can. However, Satan is not our only enemy here on this earth. In fact, we have two major enemies. Satan, who I said wants to tempt us and lead us away from God, and then ourselves. Today's verses that we're going over today really doesn't have much to say about Satan, but it has a lot to say about our own desires. See, sometimes Satan doesn't even have to lift a finger. We simply just give in to our own temptations and our own desires. Let me ask you this, church. By the raising of your hands, 
Have you ever done something that you knew was wrong, but you did it anyway? That's us. That's us in a nutshell. That's why it says in verse 13, do not say your temptation to sin is from God. Another translation does kind of, uh, you know, uh, actually define that as, as a trial. But again, God does test us with trials. But temptation is something different. Temptation comes from the world and within and because of our own sin nature. God cannot tempt us with evil, but he certainly can allow us to be tempted by these evil things. So God himself cannot be tempted with evil and there is no evil in him. Therefore, temptation to sin cannot come from God. It is due to our own natural sinful desires. As it says there in 14, when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. You know, the world will tell you, follow your heart. Just follow your heart. I'll listen to the prophet Jeremiah when he says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can know it? That is the human condition. We can't always trust our heart or trust our desires. Our, our hearts and, and natural desires can sometimes trick us and lead us away from God and actually hurt us pretty bad. I, I think of this like almost like grouper fishing. If you've never been out in the Gulf grouper fishing, it's, it's kind of, well, it's very fun. I haven't been out there in a long time. Basically, you drive out as far as you can, um, 30, 40 miles, because you have to find deep water. And this is the Gulf of Mexico, so it's like a mud puddle out there. But you find some structure, and you throw a buoy, a marker, over that structure. So there's a natural Gulf stream that kind of just moves really slow. And what you do is you drive your boat, you drop your bait, and you just keep going over areas until you find the big grouper. They're called grouper because generally they like to stay in the same size group so they don't eat each other. So you find where the big ones are. But I imagine this... This kind of, this idea of what we're talking about this morning, this desire that sometimes leads us into a really bad situation. Sometimes we're just that grouper. We're sitting on the reef, we're minding our own business, and here comes a big blob of squid. And you're sitting there, and you just can't help yourself. You're like, I'm hungry, I want that squid. Boom, you bite it, there's a hook in it, and you end up on a dinner plate. In the same way, we are led astray by our own natural desires. And when we give in to them, they cause action. Sometimes that action is against God's will for us. It's against what the Bible calls, or it's for what the Bible calls sin. And then when that action goes unchecked, it eventually brings death. As we see in verse 15, there's a progression to sin. It's, it's, it's not only that our sin doesn't come from God, but there's this progression. Your sin basically comes from your own desires, and when that desire is fully conceived, it gives birth to sin, and then sin, when it goes unchecked, fully grown, brings death. So to kind of clarify this, you have a thought, okay? Then you decide on whether or not you want to act on that thought. If your said thought is sinful and you act on that thought, you've now sinned against God or you sinned against others. So it's your desires that are contrary to the word of God that actually cause you to sin. 
We simply give in to our own instincts that are are sometimes contrary to the word of God. Now, church, can we be tempted to sin and not sin? Hopefully, as we grow to, to walk with Jesus more and more, that should be something that happens a lot in your life. I'm, I'm tempted to act out in this way. I'm tempted to sin, but God will always leave us a way out. We can't be perfect with this, though, because obviously we're sinful creatures still in need of a Savior. But it's not a sin to get angry. It's not. It's not a sin to get angry. It's a sin to act out in anger. It's not a sin to be hungry. But it is a sin to be gluttonous. It's not a sin to have a sexual desire. But it is a sin if that sexual desire is carried out without being inside the confines of marriage between a man and a woman as God designed it. It's not a sin to desire money, but it is a sin when we become greedy and we make money an idol. So we could be tempted to sin, but we have a choice. So it's our desires that cause us to sin, and then without repentance, sin brings punishment, which is death, separation from God. Separation forever for the unbeliever. And for the believer, it messes our relationship up with God. But in no way could this possibly ever be God's fault. And it brings us to our first point. It's our own sinful hearts that lead us astray and cause us to sin. It's plain and simple. It's our own sinful hearts that lead us astray and cause us to sin. We cannot blame God for this. Even when we say, you know what, I was just born this way. I was born with a short temper. You know what, sometimes I just go off on people. You hear people say that all the time. Is that really much different than a little kid throwing a bratty temper tantrum? Think about that. Some of us never lose that. If you've worked in retail ever, you've seen grown adults some well into their 50s and 60s, throwing a temper tantrum just as, as that you saw that little girl on the screen. We know what's right and we know what's wrong, but sometimes in that moment we just don't care, do we? We want things our way and that's it. And that's why we remember our main idea. Jesus came on a rescue mission to save us because we are born Sinners. So it's clear that only good comes from God, that bad does not come from God. Let's look at our final uh, three verses, starting in verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So the first thing James says is, we better not be deceived. Do not let anybody talk you into thinking that sinful desires 
come from God. God is the giver of all good gifts, every perfect gift that's from above. In fact, evil is the absence of God. Just like there's no such thing as cold, cold is just the absence of heat. Evil is just the absence of God. When we are tempted by evil, we still have a choice to do the right thing and follow the will of God. Amen? Amen. Or we have the choice to follow our own evil desires. And when we choose sin in that moment, our desires, again, are contrary to God's. Do you know what God's desire is? To give us every good and every perfect gift. That is God's desire. Now, before you get that warm, tingly feeling, sometimes that gift is a trial, as we learned last week. Sometimes that is a great gift. It's God's desire to give us every perfect gift. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And as James says here, there's no variation or shadow to his goodness. He's basically putting it this this way. God is not shady in any way, shape, or form. He is pure. He is holy. His yes means yes. His no means no. We could believe every promise that he's ever given us because he alone is faithful. God is not shady any of the time. He is good all of the time. Amen? Amen. If there's anything shady or sinful about us, it's because we're either giving in to the temptation of the enemy or we're giving into our own sinful desires. Basically, we're left with this hopeless mess. But God has a, had a plan for this the entire time. Look at verse 18. By his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Who is the word of truth? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the greatest gift of all. Because he is the God of all good gifts, his greatest gift is his mercy, his grace through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. He calls us forth while we were still dead in our sin and our transgressions, enlightens us to his truth, which is the gospel. Then he makes a new creation out of us. He gives us a new heart with new desires that want to follow him more than we want to please our own sinful desires. Even though we still will sometimes fall. What's really cool is it it says there at the end of verse 18, we're the kind of first fruits of his creation. That's an Old Testament Um, thing, the first fruits, they would bring in their first and best part of the crop, and they would sacrifice it to God in faith that God would bring a full harvest one day. It was a sacrifice to prove that they had complete faith in who God was and that he would do what he said. In the same way, us Christians are the evidence of that new creation to come. And oh, by the way, it's a funny thing what happens when you start to sacrifice your own sinful desires and to follow God, you more like him. And while life is not easy one tiny bit sometimes, you seem to have a joy and peace that is beyond all understanding. 
That is just what a teeny tiny piece of what we can taste now, knowing that one day there will be a future of glory of God to come. Church, that is the greatest deal ever offered. And this is God's remedy for our sinfulness, which is our second point. Our sinful desires do not come from God, but the remedy does. So while it's not God's fault that we're tempted by these sins or that give in to these sins, and they do not come from God, the remedy certainly does. Although God would be completely just in punishing us for our sins, instead he offers grace. As uh, Miss Hallie comes up and we start to wrap up, we're going to go over our sub-points really quick, but I want us to think about this. Individually, as you sit there, I want you to think about something that's a part of your life that God might not want to be a part of your life. Maybe it's a sin that you're struggling with. And I'll put it to you this way. If, if you can't think of a sin that you're struggling with in your life, it doesn't mean a sin is not there. It just means that you're not struggling with it. Amen? Our first point, it's our own, it's our own sinful hearts that lead us astray and cause us to sin. And while we have these sinful desires, God still gives us choices. The first choice, like we already said, we have a choice of whether or not to act on that desire. Which, honestly, folks, sometimes it's a 50-50 shot, depending on what it is. But the second choice we have is, do we take responsibility for those sins? It's one thing to sin, and it's one thing to make that wrong decision as we all fall into. The other thing is, do we take responsibility we remember the story of Adam and Eve, and they didn't have to eat the fruit, but they did. And if you remember the story, when God confronted them on their sin, what did they say? Adam's like, Psh, it's this woman you gave me, Lord. And Eve, oh, it's this serpent. You know what's so amazing? Even though they denied it, and they, they kind of just kind of shook off the God in that moment, he was still there to save them. If you remember the story, he immediately made clothing for them because they realized their nakedness and their shame, which was a precursor to the sacrifice of Jesus, the once and all sacrifice. The point is, folks, we can try to explain it away, 50 different excuses of why we sin, or we could simply do this. We can repent we can ask forgiveness and we could place our faith in the only one that can save us from our sin. Now, repent is one of those words that we use in church. It simply means to identify something that's wrong in your life, agree that it's wrong, and agree to turn away from it and turn towards Christ for forgiveness. It's only in Jesus and his ability to conquer sin in our lives. It's the only way that works because God has got the remedy. And that's from our second point. Our sinful desires do not come from God, but the remedy does. Just like Adam and Eve, God came to rescue them. He even knew, it, it, he knew that they ate the fruit. He knew that they were wrong. But as I said, he made clothes for them, which again is a precursor to how we would one day all be saved by Christ. 
God has always had a plan to defeat sin and bring his children home. But he also, still, part of that plan is dealing with sin in your everyday life. That's why we always preach the gospel, because the gospel is always good for everyday living. He can deal with your sin, again, if you repent, you ask forgiveness, and you be obedient to what he's calling you to do. And we remember our main idea this morning. He had to do it. Jesus came on a rescue mission to save us because we were born sinners. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the, your truth this morning, the only truth that can save us. We are born with various sinful desires, and while they may be different to each and every one of us, Lord, the outcome is the same, which is either death or separation from you. Help us to recognize our sins so that we may turn it over to you and you can continue to save us from it daily. I pray this for myself as well as everybody else. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.